Cincinnati Reds have promoted a lot of prospects to the bigs this year. What's left in the farm system? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're probably part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is made possible by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So the Cincinnati Reds have draft have promoted a ton of their prospects to the bigs this year. We've seen Matt McClain, we've seen Elliot Cruz, Christian Encarnacion Strand, which kind of curious what he does for an autograph because that is a lot of letters to write. But the question now is what's left? We didn't see the Reds do a lot of the trade deadline with the common expectation because Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo have been out for a good part of the year. The assumption was that they were going to have to go out and get pitching to be competitive this year. They stood pat, got a reliever. And so who is left in the system from a position player standpoint and from a hitter standpoint? And what can they do? So looking at this position player group, the number one prospect that I have in the system right now, and I feel a little reluctant to do it, but I've got shortstop and third baseman Noel V. Marte as the number one prospect for the Reds right now. 83 games this year between AA and AAA. 277, 357, 455. 10 home runs, 32 extra base hits, 40 walks to 65 strikeouts, and 16 of 20 on stolen bases. Breaking down some of the advanced stuff of what Noel V. Marte does gives you an idea of who he is as a player. So 90th percentile exit velocity, 106.5. I believe that is above the MLB average. So he's got pop in the bat, right? The issues are making contact and chasing. So he has a 85% zone contact number. Now, by contrast, the International League has a zone contact number of 83%. So he's just barely above average at making contact in the zone. And have to understand that oftentimes when you do, when you're looking at the full International League numbers for AAA there, you're also counting the quad A guys, you're counting guys who are rehabbing. I haven't gone through and run this for just top prospects. I just have this for... As a whole, this is what we have for plate discipline in the AAA International League. His chase rate, 29%, whereas in the league, 28.9%. So he is in just about every possible metric right there around average when it comes to the ability to make contact and the swing decisions. And yes, you like the ceiling of the power. The question is... Is he able to get it enough into games? And the big question when it comes to getting the power into games for Noel V. Marte is what can he do against the slider? By far, they throw, like he gets the most sliders of any single pitch that he sees. 
it is the slider. And specifically, it's the slider down and away. And so he's going to have to show the ability to lay off of the slider down and away, as well as show the ability to punish a pitcher when they leave one over the plate if you expect him to to improve and make it to where he can get to the major league level. Now, he's doing pretty decent. Like The chase rate on the sliders is down to 23%, 23.8%, so 24%, really. But the contact rate also is about 60%. So he's still chasing stum, and he's still obviously having contact issues when he does that. So that's going to be the big differentiator for Noel V. Marte on showing the Reds he is ready to come up. Now, the other issue you're going to have there is where does he play? So the arm for Noel V. Marte is average, not super accurate. It's average. The speed is below average. He's got, he's 16 to 20 on stolen bases. A lot of that was more opportunistic and it's easier to steal. I think the top line speed still isn't necessarily that great. So the path to playing time for Noel V. Marte isn't necessarily great. Not quite sure where he's going to play. He had been a shortstop. He played third base in the Arizona Fall League last year. He's played a lot of third base this year. Not exclusively third base, but he's played a lot of third base this year. And I just don't necessarily know where Noel V. Marte fits into this major league roster. And we'll get to that a little bit later, a little bit later in the show. Number four prospect in the system, shortstop Edwin Royo. Uh, 91 games in high A this year, 252, 326, 423. 10 home runs, 36 extra base hits, 36 walks to 84 strikeouts, and 24 of 29 on stolen bases. He is here for defense, very good defense for Edwin Royo. Probably one of the best infield defenders in this system, especially since a lot of the promotions have already happened. And... He's a very young player, just 20 years old or so. And the big thing here is uh, switch hitter looks surprisingly good from both sides. I think it's he's never going to be a slugger. But the whole thing here is just improve the swing decisions and maximize the contact quality. So he's going for that, improving the pitch recognition and then getting to that second level of pitch recognition where it's not ball versus strike, but it's strike versus drivable pitch so that he's able to maximize what's in there. And Edwin Arroyo feels like a guy, you're going to be perfectly fine with him batting in the bottom third of the order. He's going to give you really good defense at short. He's going to be able to obviously handle the position just fine. He's not going to hurt you offensively. He's going to be, he's going to be fine. He's not going to win a, a silver slugger or anything. But he's not going to be one of the 10 worst hitting shortstops in baseball. That's where you're looking at for Devin Arroyo. I do like it. I do think there is a place for a really good defensive shortstop. And he's going to be the guy whenever he's finally ready. You don't have to rush him, though, because you got plenty of options up there. And again, we'll get to that in the third segment. The third guy, Cam Collier. I've dropped him down to six. A lot of places have dropped him down. I think, I think Baseball America dropped him down to maybe five or so. But it's tough right now with... Cam Colliers. The story when he was drafted as a 17-year-old was uh, one of the best hit tools in the draft. Looked like he had promising power and a big arm at right field, right? In 83 games in A-ball this year, 229, 326, 345. Four home runs, 24 extra base hits, 39 walks to 83 strikeouts, three or four on stolen bases. 
striking out more than we expected a guy that had, there was some talk he'd be a 70 hit tool. I, I think that's a bit extreme, but striking out more than we'd expect for a guy who had such a lauded, fantastic hit tool. Uh, Power-wise, he's not getting it into games because he's hitting too many ground balls. He's not elevating the ball. The actual exit velos are good. 104.6 is his 90th percentile exit velo. He's making contact in the zone, 88.4%. Chase rate's a little high, 32.4. Again, he is age 19. So he's young for the league, but uh, it's something where, again, ground balls greater than 50%. And then on sliders, Cam Collier is getting absolutely destroyed. 68% contact rate on sliders. He's chasing 47% of the time. So just about every other slider he's going to swing at, whether or not it's a strike. And on sliders, he's hitting 64.3% ground balls. He's 19. Obviously, he has time to fix all of this. I'm not, he's not fallen out of the top 30 or anything, but he's come back a bit. Like I said, Baseball America moved him to five. I moved him to six. I significantly lowered my future value on him compared to what they did. I think they have him as a 55. I have him as like a 45 or a 50. Definitely something to be worried about there with Cam Collier, but you've got time. He's going to need to hit because the speed's not great. He's already a 40, and there's defensive questions. The arm is big, but again, it's a little bit inaccurate. The defense, there's scouts who think he's going to have to move to first base. I've seen some folks float out a potential right field kind of scenario because they feel like the arm is big enough to help out there. Again, outfield's an area of need on this team. We'll talk about that in the third segment. But either way, interesting going right now with Cam Collier. Got to figure out what to do there. In just a minute, let's talk about some of these arms. You drafted some arms pretty high. You brought some in trades next last year. We'll get to them next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Uh, so, summer's wrapping up. Bear Eye's getting ready to go back to school in the next couple days, weeks, whatever it is. And you're probably using those opportunities, one, while your kids are in school. It's a great time to slip off and go to a concert or a, a movie or something like that. But listen, buying tickets to those things should not be hard. You should not have to stress, should not have to worry about that. Game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever it might be near you. They got, they've got killer deals on last-minute tickets. They've got the best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and just enjoy the event. I was, two weeks ago, I was in Nashville for George Strait live in concert. I think I mentioned this last week in the Game Time ad, but I pulled up the Game Time app during the concert and was looking and was finding seats that were better than mine for less than what I paid on the day of the event. And I bought these tickets months in advance. So just think about how you can save your money and still be able to get into things that are supposedly sold out with Game Time. So download the Game Time app, create an account, use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Now, terms and conditions do apply, but again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, so when you're looking at these pitchers for the Cincinnati Reds, a uh, couple interesting things. Rhett Louder out of Wake Forest 
was drafted in the first round. It's very easy. I believe Baseball America has him as the number one prospect in the system. I have him as number two. I've been outspoken on this show before. Questions about the ceiling of these Wake Forest pitchers. So many of them come out of Wake Forest, in essence, already completed products, right? There's just not a lot of extra you can get out of these guys. And then Rhett Lauder is one of those guys that is change-up dominant. And so obviously there's questions about that is the least effective of all of the breaking pitches or breaking off speed, non-fastball pitches. And so what is the what is the ceiling there? He feels like he has a pretty high floor. It's a pretty safe pick provided he's healthy, but uh, questions about the ceiling on him. But Connor Phillips is one of the guys that I want to talk about. 2020 second rounder out of junior college by Seattle was one of the many pieces that moved over in the Luis Castillo deal. 21 games between AA and AAA this year, 3-3 three and three with a 3-3-6 ERA and 93 and two-thirds innings. 145 strikeouts, so 13.9 strikeouts per nine. That is almost Spencer Strider levels of domination as far as strikeouts go for somebody who's thrown 20 games already. Uh, 49 walks, 4.7 per nine, 10 home runs allowed. I don't think the walks for Connor Phillips are an inability to control his stuff. I think the walks are... Maybe not ideal sequencing, not being on the same page with his catchers or trying to get a little bit too fancy with what he does. The fastball, to me, 70 grade fastball, 96 to 98. He can touch 100 miles an hour with it. It's got really good carry up in the zone. It has that flat plane that a lot of the the analytically favorable fastballs have now that their teams are trying to teach to guys. And so it is a weapon. But too often, it feels like he tries to out-sequence somebody, gets a little too, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say gets a little too cute, but tries to do a little bit too much and ends up walking somebody when he probably could have just blown a fastball by them. Uh, the slider, it is a plus slider. It sits in the mid-80s. It has both some good sweep and some good tilt to it. And so... It is definitely a weapon diving in on the feet of a lefty, diving down and away from a righty, definitely a good, or darting down, technically I think is how we like to talk about two-plane break, but uh, something where, again, sweeper kind of movement, but he throws it on a little funky axis, some some tilt to it, and so it ends up going down that way. Uh, Has a curveball as well, sits in the high 70s, big vertical breaking curveball, right? You can, you can... You can't quite see it out of the hand. It does blend in somewhat, but it's really useful as a change of pace when somebody's sitting fastball. Now, the issue with this is if you've done your scouting and he likes to go to the curveball when you're sitting fastball, you're probably not going to swing and it's going to come in for a ball. What I'm talking about with getting a little too fancy at times. Also has a change up, not great, but... You can take a left-handed hitter and you can kind of keep him honest with it. And that's really what it's for. In AAA, had a rocky start, but both breaking pitches look good. The fastball is definitely survivable at the major league level. And so I feel really good about the ability of Connor Phillips with a little more seasoning, a little bit of work on sequencing and not over-sequencing to be an effective piece at the major league level and give you another starter, especially if you can slot him in you know, fourth behind a green and a Lodolo and an Abbott, like you're sitting pretty here. 
the other pitcher I want to talk about. So like Connor Phillips is fifth, and then I've got Chase Petty up in this top five as well. Right-handed pitcher, 2021 first rounder out of high school by the Twins. So another guy that was acquired via trade. They Between the trade deadline last year, uh, this was the Sonny Gray deal, and the draft this year, taking Rhett Louder and Ty Floyd early, you really restock some of your arms that could be at the bigs in the next you know couple seasons. 13 starts for Chase Petty in high A this year, age 20, I think. 0-1 record, but a 1.86 ERA in 48 and a third innings. 52 strikeouts, so 9.7 per nine, to only 11 walks, two walks per nine, and the next home run he gives up will be the first home run he has given up. Uh, velocity has been fantastic. Now, it was it's weird, right? When he was in high school, he was just blazing four-star. Four-seam fastballs. Granted, it was, you know, it was over 100 miles an hour, super high effort, right? So the Twins went in and like a very intelligent team were like, you know what? We're going to make you into a sinker slider guy because, yeah, sure. Let's take a guy who throws 100, 101 and turn you into a sinker slider guy. He's working back. He's brought some of the, he's brought the four-seamer back a bit, but it's not quite where it needs to be. Throws a two-seamer, throws it down in the zone, throws the four-seamer up in the zone, like a lot of teams like to see. Both of them sit around 94, 95, can touch 97 with it. He's more consistent with the two-seamer than the four-seamer. Also has a slider that's above average and has a split change. Not something you see a ton of. Uses it to keep lefties off balance. I think it can be a good pitch. Haven't seen enough of it to really give it a grade yet, but it feels like it's like it can be a good pitch. Uh, something where he's a really efficient worker. He hasn't necessarily had the depth in his starts, right? He's not going six innings a start. He's And some of that was they were holding him back a little bit. But you look at 48 innings over 13 starts, you're barely breaking four innings a start there on average. But again, the strikeouts are there, 9.7 per nine. He's not walking a bunch of guys. He's not giving up bombs. That's all you can ask for. What it is now for Chase Petty is build up for longer outings, uh, be a little more consistent with that four-seamer, and see what kind of improvement you can get on that split change so that you have two fastballs, slider, split change, you have three velocity bands, you have different movements, and you're pretty much set, you're set for success here. Like what I see out of Chase Petty, I actually have him higher than Connor Phillips, despite the fact Connor Phillips is closer to the bigs, and that's backwards from how I usually rate these guys, but I really do feel like Chase Petty has some really good tools and can be a really good pitcher if you can work on some of this stuff as far as the control and commands above average, you need to get him deeper in the games, you need to get the fastball more consistent, Uh, it hasn't hurt him so far as walks and home runs are concerned, but still something you have to do here. In just a minute. Let's talk about this big league team and do they have the horses to contend this year and going forward? We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Welcome back into Locked in MLB Prospects, going over the Cincinnati Reds and their farm system. And a good reminder, if you want these rankings, 
For the Cincinnati Reds, the entire thing's available in our subtext. We had the Mets, we had the White Sox, we had the, the Reds. That's all this week. We'll do three more teams next week. Pretty sure Seattle's going to be in there. Pretty sure the Braves are going to be in there based on what people have asked for. Probably the Cubs. Not sure there, but going to get plenty of these shows out. Continue getting those rankings. If you want those rankings, subtext is the best way to do that. Links in the episode description, links in the show notes. I'll send you a link to the Google Doc that's got everything in there. The, the future value grades, movement as we move guys around, my notes on different little interesting things I find about these guys, scouting reports, all that good stuff. At the major league level, they you've brought a lot of your guys up, right? You've brought up Ellie De La Cruz. You've brought up Matt McClain. You've brought up Christian Encarnacion Strand. You've brought up Spencer Steer. He's been doing great. Joey Votto is back. And so at the major league level, your infield is pretty crowded right now. And when you look at what guys have played, Joey Votto is playing mostly first base, some DH, getting a day off a week. Christian Encarnacion Strand is playing DH most of the time. First base every now and then, getting a day off or so in the week. Matt McClain's playing a lot of second right now because Jonathan India is on the IL. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz is your starting shortstop. Third base is a lot of uh, Nick Senzel or Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer is also playing in the outfield. And next season, you're probably not going to have Votto, but you are theoretically going to have Jonathan India. And I do think there is runway here to improve your outfield by making a trade. I mentioned it in the first segment. I don't know where Noel V. Marte fits in best on this team. He can play third base. Like, he can play third base. But I don't know if third base is the best place to put him. And I don't really... Like, it's... You have enough guys to field a really good offense without him. Like, Matt McClain can play second, can play short. Elwood De La Cruz can play short, can play third. Jonathan India can really only play second base. Uh, Spencer Steer can play anywhere in the infield. He's not going to be amazing at shortstop, but he can play anywhere in the infield. They're playing him in left field. They're making that work. He looks pretty decent out there. But it's a like right now, it's a puzzle piece trying to get things to work. Obviously, you're going to have to add in Noel B. Marte at some point in time to that unless you trade him. And so what it feels like is going to happen to me is the outfield situation on this team. TJ Friedel's your center fielder. Will Benson's playing a lot in right. You also have TJ Hopkins and Stuart Fairchild. Uh, he's playing a lot of corner outfield. He has played some center field as well. And then in the minors, you don't have any really super high ceiling outfielders, right? Like when you go and you look at this, the, the first one I have on my list is at number 10, I have Michael Ciani. And I think I'm the high ones on Michael Ciani. I've seen him as low as 24 on other prospect rankings. You have Reese Hines, back half of the top 30. You've got Jay Allen and Hector Rodriguez. But none of these guys project to be amazing outfielders. And unless you're going to change someone's position who is currently in your infield, Matt McClain played center field at UCLA, unless you're going to move him back to there, or take a guy like an L.A. De La Cruz, who is one of the fastest players in baseball with a massive arm and everything, and move him to center field, which he has been outspoken. He wants to be the starting shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. You're going to have to go out and acquire an outfielder via trade. 
Noel V. Marte feels like the right guy to trade away to get an outfielder. Now, I don't know who that's going to be. I don't know if you make a trade with the Cardinals for some of their guys. If you go to some other team, I don't know who's going to be available, but it feels like a trade is coming. And I actually believe Novi Marte's played a little bit of outfield this year too. Just trying to see what he's capable of. And it's like not in games, but like he's out there shagging balls in batting practice, things like that, trying to see what he can do. They haven't tried to pull him in a game out there yet. And I don't think they're going to with that speed. And what do you do there to upgrading at catcher Tyler Stevenson we thought is not having a great year from a power production standpoint and how much of that is coming back from injury what is the issue there do you need to upgrade you have a guy like an Alfredo Duno who is incredibly young and is years away from the majors and how do you upgrade at catcher do you need to upgrade at catcher there is the question of how do you feel about like when you get Kirk Casale back he's 34 35 do you feel like he's good enough to to be a to be a catcher on a contending team? I don't know. And so you look to have plenty of arms, right? Look at starters. Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, you're going to have them. In your rotation right now, you've got Graham Ashcraft, Adam Abbott, Brandon Williamson. Luke Weaver's the old man in there. He's like 30. But then you've also got Connor Phillips right there in triple. Like you have lots of options for your rotation. And then they've got other guys that are injured that have pitched for them as well, like a Justin Dunn or a Connor Overton, Ben Lively, all that kind of stuff. And so do you make a trade where you move Noel V. Marte for a starting pitcher and or an outfielder? I think that's probably likely simply because he, feel like, he, he feels like the odd man out here, right? You've got so many other guys already up at the bigs. You have to shuffle a bunch of things around or bench somebody to find playtime for Noel V. Marte, it feels like if he goes, especially if he goes on a heater to close the season, he's trade bait. And you can improve, you can go out and get an outfielder uh, or a starting pitcher or both, depending on who you're targeting and what you're trying to do. If they open the pocketbook and spend a little bit of money, that would be nice as well. But just trying to figure out, like this is a team that is, because these youngsters are so good, they are opening their contention window. I mean, they are in it this year. Now, do I think they have the pitching to stay in it down the stretch? Probably not, but the Cincinnati Reds are contending, are in it this year. You need to Cruz Cruz start hitting again, but how can you make this team better in the offseason? I think the best way Noel V. Marte can benefit the Cincinnati Reds is to be the centerpiece of a trade deal to go get a quality outfielder and or a starting pitcher. Fantastic week coming up this week. One more show. It's going to be looking at recent draftees. Where are they? Are they in complex league? Are they in A-ball? Have they already been moved to high A or double A? How are they doing? Who's looking good? Who's not looking good? That'll be a fun show for us tomorrow. In the meantime, if you have questions for us for our Monday mailbag, tons of ways to get them to us. Best way is the subtext. Links in the episode description. Links in the show notes. You also get access to these rankings, exclusive access to these rankings all that other stuff. Until tomorrow's show, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor